Welcome to the Popcorn Brothers. My name's Eli. I'm Isaac. And we're here to talk to you about movies. This is the fourth and final week of our Pride Month series. There are only four months, weeks in a month, correct, Isaac? In this month, yeah. Sometimes True. there's five weeks. But... Sometimes there are five weeks, but this time there are only four. And we are wrapping it up with our big movie this week, which is, Isaac? Uh, we watched The Kids Are Alright. The Kids Are Alright. And they weren't alright. And we'll get into it in a minute. <laughs> they weren't alright in any in any sense. They were okay. Right. It's ironic. That's why it says it alright. It's an ironic title. Let's be real. How, were I they alright? supposed to be. Oh, they ended... Well, I, let's not get into it. No, we'll, get, we'll get there. <laughs> they Are Not Completely Broken Emotionally is a good title for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> alright. But first, as we do every week, we'll go over... Actually, we'll, we'll talk about what we got going on so we'll start with this week in the movies and boy did we have a big week in we the went movies. to two movies two movies and two good movies both too. of them were at the bell court is this your first we time did. ever going to the bell court that was the first time my first time wow. ever going to the bell court. so for our v- listeners who may not be in nashville what is mm-hmm. the bell court uh the bell court is a local movie theater that's very old yes. yes um and sort of it's it's sort of a i think it's recognized as like a historical location and that sort of thing mm-hmm. it's actually also a non profit yes um it's donation so, based yes survival. um and it wins lots of awards for like timely film series yeah and- so the bell court because it's a non-profit it doesn't um sort of function the same way that a lot of movie theaters do which obviously the point of those places is to make money the bell court is more about um playing sick movies documentaries things uh, you education see and yes, yes. and yeah. um the actual like love of cinema love of film so they do a lot of special screenings they show movies that you won't be able to see anywhere else that yeah. sort of thing it's in the hip part of town too so you're hip yes it's by very much like that sort of area <laughs> of town yes south of vanderbilt hillsborough village yes okay exactly and what two what movies did we see there before we go over them briefly uh so first we saw um won't you be no- my neighbor which mm-hmm. is the mr fred rogers documentary Yep, the Navy SEAL. He was not a Navy SEAL. He was not a Navy SEAL. Uh, And then we saw, actually, American Animals. Yes. Um, And we'll get into both of those in a little bit and talk about what we thought and what was going on with them, too. Yeah, and then after that, we will have our trailer watch where we watch the beautiful boy trailer. And uh, I sang the Sean Kingston song. I won't... I guess uh, I won't burden the listeners with my rendition with of, your rendition of Sean beautiful King's Beautiful Girl replacing the word with beautiful boy. boy. Sure, but yeah. I did sing it multiple times as we were warming up, which we do. We have we have a number of vocal exercises that we do to warm That's up. That's not true either. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was Beautiful Boy this week, of course. So, um, And then we will get into the meat and potatoes and talk about the kids are all right and wrap up our Pride Month series. So without further ado... In front of God and all the members of the jury, we will move on to the first segment. Um, let's talk about the movies at the theater. First, we saw Mr. Rogers' Won't You Be My Neighbor? Mm-hmm. Yes. And this was, for those who don't know, just a documentary about Mr. Rogers' life. About Fred Rogers, And a look yeah. inside of his show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. That's what it was yeah, called. Yeah, I think it was a little... I mean, it was... There as, was a lot about the show. As much as it was about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, it was really also about Fred Rogers, the person that yes. he was, um, his beliefs, sort of what he really aspired to do with his television show. Yes. And the impact that he made on a lot of people and the kind of the way that he impacted television as well. Yes, and a lot of perspective from his family on who he was and how he told his own stories and fears and emotions Mm -hmm. through the characters he created for his show which is a level i never would have thought about until i saw this movie and i found really interesting for them to talk about that so there's not much about the plot i would say other than um it's really cool i I mean we could just go through it but there's not there's not too much yeah we don't have to talk about much about the plot i mean i'm pretty sure a lot of people are familiar with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which started as a basic, basically basic public television show and sort of kind of captured into the zeitgeist and kind of became really popular, I think, and it surprised a lot of people. But it was it was sort of one of the first television shows, too. I mean, it came about with the existence of television almost in a way and it went on for several decades and i mean i remember we watched mr rogers neighborhood even in the 90s when we were kids and i don't remember at all and sometimes the subject matter they touched was very sensitive like death or Mm -hmm. mr rogers racism i think that it's just it also it does a lot of discussion about how mr rogers fred rogers television show 
didn't really sh- it, it, almost in a way it didn't sugarcoat things i yeah. mean they really discussed real world subjects like death like divorce like i mean even illness in a way or disabilities and in a way that kids could digest it without understand. being like propaganda towards yes. some sort of opinion just something to like help them basically grow and relate yes to kids. i mean we learned in the documentary that Fred Rogers was a minister and yeah. he really cared a lot about children. And there was sort of a whole sort of child psychology component and the way that Fred Rogers wouldn't treat, he treated children as they were a person in a way. And they, you know, he didn't dumb it down for them. And he really talked to them like they were people who had feelings and had understanding. And he really, I think tapped into a lot of people's, um, you know, lives. And he really touched a lot of people with the way that he made his television program. And so he he was just so different from everything else. I think a lot of things that we've seen, it was funny when that lady was talking about how a producer had once told her, they said, think about all the, the best ways that you can make a television show. And if you did the opposite, that's Mr. Rogers neighborhood production, (laughs) like Like low budget puppets. puppets. Like, yeah, yeah, but it worked because uh, I think, ultimately because of who Fred Rogers was and because of what he wanted to do with it. But yeah, I mean, uh, there, nothing is quite like seeing him talk into the camera to you. Like you're a child that he's trying to communicate with. It's pretty and weird. It still works be- yeah. even though you're an adult. <laughs> yeah. It just his ability to capture that form of communication is it's untouched and his like honesty with it. Like you yeah. can tell it's genuine. Oh, in he a was, way. he yeah. was an, um, clearly Fred Rogers was an amazing person and he really, I think did make a lot an impact on a lot of people. We actually saw this in an entirely full theater basically. Mm-hmm. And at any given point in the 90 minutes that, the, that this film was going on, there were multiple people who were sobbing, oh, yeah. audibly Crying. sobbing, Crying. including yes. me at some points too. Mm-hmm. So totally. Yeah. And but so it was really great. Definitely go see it. Highly if, recommend it. If, um, I mean, if you're interested in that and if you even know what Mr. Rogers neighborhood is and you maybe, if I think for younger people, it really will make a lot of difference because they weren't around. Yeah. I, if I you would, were older, I would imagine that you would live through a lot of that. So you kind of have experienced some I of the stuff that we didn't say, understand, but yeah, I would say the more you experienced of the time of Mr. Rogers neighborhood and like if you watched it or if you had any sort of like knowledge of it, that would probably boost your interest and enjoyment of this movie and i don't remember a lot of it and i feel a little bit of a disconnect i, I that. said that too somebody that we had been in there with you know they could remember certain episodes that were seen i don't remember that i do remember watching mr rogers neighborhood because if you ran a show on pbs we probably watched it since we didn't have cable when we zoom, were children classic zoom barney arthur mr rogers we were into all of those things also apparently i didn't ever think about this but if you sang if there was music involved in your television show when I was a child, apparently I was really into it, which I had never thought of before. But I remember that's a Jump big deal. Five was a big deal. Okay, that's not a children's <laughs> television program, so we don't have to get into that currently. Okay, okay, okay. But I mean, apparently I was really drawn to music, and I had never thought of that before. But it's definitely true when I really look back on all the things that I enjoyed as a child. Yeah. Music was a big part of it, and Mr. Rogers included that too. So cool. All right. Well, I think. I dare people to go to that. If you go to it, for sure, bring your tissues because you might need them for sure. Absolutely. We were in a group and a huge majority of the group cried. (laughs) Most of the theater cried. All right. Moving on. Um, American Animals. Movie passes first produced movie sponsored uh, movie they purchased sponsored? it the film was made and movie pass bought the distribution do you know oh, okay else. so you know something about this a little bit um i just know that i mean the film screen just like it does it you know in festivals and movie pass i think worked with another company to purchase the film and then distribute it so they yeah. sort of own the rights in that sense and are making money it is kind of funny i read an article where they kind of they joked about how in the industry, sometimes studios used to buy tickets to their own movies. And they said that that's exactly what MoviePass basically did yeah. because we used our MoviePass to go to this movie. So MoviePass bought our tickets to their own movie. Huh, weird. Yeah. That seems really smart. That seems like it would benefit them a lot. Well, I think that actually, it depends on word of mouth and how many people sort of like purchasing or distributing or something with movies. Well, considering I can imagine that situation. they didn't purchase this film for very much probably. Yeah. And they it, probably gave it a much wider release than it would have gotten with their Yeah, totally possible. Um, but so beyond way that. Way more advertisement. The ability to advertise to oh, their yeah, people. Oh, yeah. Within their is, own 
by far yeah, app or to their made this movie infinitely yeah. more widely known than it ever would have been totally so that's interesting and we would have we wouldn't have seen it probably i bet we wouldn't have known about this i if feel movie like Pass I, hadn't I, it's purchased it. it's debatable i mean because certainly there are movies that get made all the time that never find a distributor and they kind of become lost in the industry i suppose to some extent yeah but, but i didn't um, see any advertisement for this movie outside of movie pass i don't believe i think we i mean we saw a few trailers I when? think I saw a trailer before. I saw a trailer. I went to see something and we saw a trailer. Was it at Won't it's You Be My Neighbor? Possible. Because that was at the Belcourt No, too? I saw it somewhere else. I know I saw a, I went to the movies and saw a trailer for this movie that was not at Won't You Be My Neighbor. Oh, okay. Oh, and before, okay, well, before we get into it any further, and we can move on from this, um, we saw this in the small screening room, so oh, yeah, at it's the a Belcourt. Whole story. <laughs> But, and Isaac's yeah. friends were slightly intoxicated when we got there and very loud. That was fun. Yeah. Shocker. <laughs> no one no one sat in the last seat on the end, I guess. No, somebody did. That person they came did? and did something. came there. back yeah. and sat down. I was like, why can't we sit on the, all the way to the end? <laughs> no one wants to sit on the end. It's hard to see. We were, okay, so this is the closest I've ever sat to a large screen in my entire life. It wasn't even that large of a screen, though, but theoretically. But based on how close we were, it was, It was I mean, a large screen was, then. We're talking big. about less than 50 people could sit in the screening room. We're talking yeah. like seven rows of seven people it's across. Like a, it's like a rich person's private theater. And if we stood, yeah, it totally was like if you had a theater inside your house, it would look like yeah, that. Yeah, but I mean, if, if you we stood up we were in the front row and if we stood up it would block the screen yeah but you had to literally like every time there was text you had to crane your neck across the screen like 45 degrees to there read was a all little the bit text. of that yeah or like if there was an awkward like camera <laughs> angle like a creative framing you had to like look all the way to the corner and then like all the way to the top which was pretty funny but it wasn't, it wasn't that, bad. that bad it wasn't yeah a you lot get of, used to it it's only two hours anyway you'll so. be surprised how much of the movie actually exists in like full screen of like what you should be looking or at. within your co- sort of field of view yeah because yeah. obviously when you frame a image most of the time the image or the subject of the image is, is in the, the middle ish <laughs> at least ish yeah. yeah you know there's the there's the whole like uh thirds rule yes, thirds exactly. yeah okay um cool so we should talk about the movie now yeah we can summarize the plot Plus really quickly yeah i it's mean a heist held by four college, college kids, kids that want to steal a priceless book which is a very um, expensive art book a bunch very of valuable that contain yeah. american animals that's where the term from comes from the college library basically yes. yes so from the college library, as well as like a darwin book origin of species i think yeah. and something else so they you want to steal really a bunch of books, books and sell them on the black market and it's as ridiculous as it sounds the 100%. whole time i was watching this movie i was like who thinks they can just steal books and then sell them on the black well market? i think that was the interesting thing was because and i'm gonna go the ahead and spoil of this their own part disbelief. yeah <laughs> i'm gonna spoil this part too a little bit so the movie kind of is half a heist movie like like a traditional movie and the other half actually throughout the movie they intercut the action of the sort of scripted film with interviews with the actual people like documentary style interviews of the real people and that to me made it so interesting i think that actually to me that elevated the movie a lot oh no yeah because i didn't expect it either i didn't expect that Uh, yeah i was completely surprised by it and it really was kind of interesting because otherwise i felt like i would just not be able to believe any of the rest of the movie and this movie in a way it would have been weak it would have been very weak without it there were long periods of time like i talked about this during right after the movie i said it felt like it dragged in the middle and now i think about it it's because there was no cut to the actual people in that part oh. because they were running so much action yeah. for like the heist in the middle that happened that they didn't get to cut to the interview and that like it bored me it like wasn't sure. interesting enough to me because i wanted to hear their thoughts and their actual feelings and then yeah. reminiscing and like comparing well, when that gets what their memory were, was between the characters sure yeah. so when it lost that element it wasn't as good to me nearly as good um it was just it was an interesting film it's kind of a play on a heist because you know these college age kids thought that somehow they would be able to get away with this completely ridiculous scheme of yeah. stealing these valuable books and then selling them on the black market yeah, and for multiple millions of dollars like totally possibly let one of them who might be a little crazier than the rest lead them on this like to this story of like i went to a foreign country and met these dealers that yeah are fences and that some of them possibly not because none of them have evidence that he did that right. they just kind of think he did and multiple ones of them said, oh, I didn't really think we were ever going to go through with this. But then 
somehow everything just fell into place. So we were going to go. It's very strange. And I liked the fact that the interviews kind of casted, it cast doubt on the actual, like what was true and what was false. Because obviously when you, it sort of was a play on the fact that if a movie is based on a true story, typically you go in knowing that certain events are going to be embellished. Certain things are going to be played up for the sort of thrill factor of the movie. Mm -hmm. But it was funny where they would cut to, two of the different real life people sort of describing the same scene and they would change the and scene. It, they would, yeah. yeah, they would actually change it, really it based yeah. on who was saying it because it really plays into the fact that this is based on a true story, but what one person says versus what somebody else says, you know, the truth lies somewhere in between almost. And yeah. so the movie kind of played with that idea. And that was what I thought was the most interesting thing sort of about the whole movie is that you were watching a movie yeah. based on a, true story and you had people who were really you know providing their own perspective on it but even in that you could see where there were things that they disagreed about and maybe this was true and maybe it wasn't true and so ultimately is any story ever really true because you have so many different conflicting perspectives Mm -hmm. it was really interesting and I thought I think that without that I don't know if I would have been as interested in the movie. No if this was just a based on a true story where they showed the heist and attempted to like you know, make a, oh, I mean, what do you even call it? Just like a, a, a movie that a thriller, yes, I mean, essentially a normal thriller without cutting, without trying to add any of those interesting elements that we just described, it would have fallen flat and I wouldn't have liked it at all. I know for a fact, just because I didn't like the middle where they didn't do those cuts. Well, and I thought that it also had to do with kind of the fact that the movie itself, the tone was so serious. And so, Oh, it was tense. kind of dramatic. It was insanely. And tense. there were some tense moments like yeah. during the actual robbery that that made sense. But then sometimes I was like, I was watching this movie and I'm like, these 21 year olds are acting like this is the most dangerous thing. Anybody in the history of the world has ever well, attempted. The thing about it. I think and it's cool because I'm they made, like, well, they made so much out of so little. And if you were, if you're a sane person thinking about what they're about to go through, I mean, it is crazy. So it makes oh, me feel yeah. that tense because you're like, there's no way this could turn out. And they, like them convincing themselves that they might get away with it. And then having to watch it happen is like, it's like painful. It, like, well, I think that that it's works. hard to watch. I think it works as the, movie is running yeah like while you're watching the movie but i think that without that aspect of the reality afterwards it really would have fallen flat ultimately at the end possibly that's fair too yeah i think i think the the resolution of them talking about what what has happened what has it uh, gives it a gravitas that it wouldn't have had if you had just gone to see the movie especially like the artist character like Mm -hmm. the way he talked about it at the beginning and like his emotional changes and then how he's now an artist that solely paints birds like that's really powerful honestly and like that i mean it sounds like he went through exactly all the people like he aspired to be like those things that like they went yeah through. It, it totally it really yeah, turned yeah. him into something like that which is it's it scary to the think characters about characters and the action more um sort of purpose at yeah. the end and the like, last thing i want to say about this is that i think it's i think the most fascinating part of the movie the movie the part of the movie that i related to most was the fact that all these ter- characters talked about the real the real people in their interviews talked about like having a desire to like w- waiting for something to happen and that mm-hmm. whole aspect of life where it seems like nothing is going right because i think i personally relate to that so much and I would never go out and do something as crazy sure. as what they've done. But I think myself and a lot of other almost. people do that. And yeah. I don't think I don't think I see enough movies where people talk about that. They do vaguely, but I think this one being a true story and having the real interviews and then being what seemed like really open and honest about it and then comparing it to like a pretty well made thriller that like undercut the story and the differences was very powerful. And to me, yeah. it hit really close to home. It's almost like the movie was kind of like a documentary, except for they extend, like obviously a lot of documentaries include those sort of scenes where they recreate mm-hmm. things. It's just sort of kind of to show yeah. for, as visual filler. Like in drunk a way. history. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So it's almost like, this was really a documentary movie just with extended sequences of that. And that's, I think kind of right. Why it really worked. Yeah. And also, cause if we had seen an actual documentary about this, I think it really would have worked. You could totally have made a really good documentary about this. Yeah. But I, I think like that the way the that they did footage. that was really interesting too. Mm-hmm. But I think that also talks to the fact that we just went and saw this Fred Rogers documentary. It was really interesting, really well done too. And we're really excited to go see this one that's coming up that we've seen a couple of 
ads for called three identical strangers in a way that like sometimes the truth is even crazier than fiction. And Mm -hmm. so when you really tap, when you can really find a great story and make a great documentary of it, it really can work. Yes. So and that's all I have to say about it. I think you should definitely go see it. I preferred it to Mr. Rogers. Won't you be my neighbor personally? And I would easily recommend both of those movies more than yes. several ones that we've seen this year. Absolutely. They, they were both really good. Probably a little bit harder for you to go find locally and see somewhere. It's There's possible, a yeah. particular theater you might have to pick, but 100% worth it to go see both these movies. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And then every week you hear a sound. And we watch a trailer. So we are about to watch the beautiful boy trailer. If you are driving, do not stop driving. Listen to this little sick beat for a minute. And when we get back, we will be explaining to you what we've seen and whether or not we think you should go see it based on this trailer and whether or not we will go see it. If you are not driving, pause the podcast here, pull up movie clips trailers on YouTube and find the beautiful boy trailer number one. We will be right back. All right, we are back. We just saw the beautiful boy trailer number one with starring with Steve Carell and Amy Ryan. Timothy Chalamet. Is that the boy? Mm -hmm. He's from Call Me By Your Name. Uh, Okay, which I haven't seen. But was well uh, received, I guess. And pretty well known for that last year, so... Yes, this is. Um, are they trying to win an Oscar with this movie? Isaac? I think they have a good I think chance. They are probably. trying to, if not <laughs> going to. It seems like one of those things. Um, it's definitely a little Oscar baity, but that doesn't before, mean it's going to be a bad movie. It doesn't either. seem like it's going to be a bad movie at all. We haven't talked yeah. about it at all. But that the song they played is right up the alley of the music I listen to. <laughs> so it's an unfair advantage against me because it's like the perfect post rock, heavy guitar, distorted soundtrack, like slow and long and mm-hmm. really like almost like classical influenced post rock. Mm-hmm. Perfect soundtrack for this. So what did we see Isaac? What might um, this be about? Uh, mostly it looks like a familial drama, yeah. drama about a family. Mostly um, focusing on the father and son. Uh, and the fact that the son is a drug addict. Yes. So. It seems like um, maybe heroin. It didn't make it specific. I don't really know. I didn't really notice which one it was. There's a, I kind there's of a already knew scene. that. Oh, so like, it is I heroin? knew that going in. I don't know what it is. I couldn't okay. tell you. But it's I mean, just, you just probably. knew it was about a drug addict. Yeah, there's a bathroom scene that makes it look like that. But yes, clearly the son is pretty young, like not even college age. Yeah, I mean, I would think not hardly older than 18 or 19. Yeah, and probably has some, or definitely has some sort of drug issue and Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like he has a disease, but the father has like, obviously the family's figured it out and the father is trying to coach him through it, not like, not like overreacting. Just trying to deal with it in a way, you know, in a way that's To protect your son, but then also to, to help them. Yeah, kind of. Not in the, like, I'm taking charge of this and tying you down and forcing you over here or anything like that. Well, it I mean, he's like, an adult, so yeah. it's no different. I mean, it kind of feels like a real li- not a real life, obviously. In- intervention is a real life uh, thing. But it's sort of like a kind of like, it seems like a lot like an intervention episode in a way, but... Yeah. The beginning of this trailer where they were talking at the table, I didn't like that. I thought that got old really fast and it wasn't, it wasn't very well cut. Last that long. It was too long for this trailer that is only two and a half minutes long. But the rest of this trailer, I think, is absolutely amazing. Looks like the acting is going to be really good. I mean, this is all going to hinge on the acting. Yes. If you don't buy into that, I hope there's a sick post rock. Then... There better be a sick post rock soundtrack in this movie. I mean, it, I'm I sure hope if you so. got the trailer with Man. it, then you'd probably get that. Well, in the movie. I don't know. I've been noticing the more we watch trailers, the more I realize that the music in the trailer can be really good sometimes and then the m- music in the movie can be of a totally different mood and totally ruin what I thought was going to be Interesting. something. Uh, and, and, and an element that I've associated with the movies now that we watch so many trailers. Right. I haven't watched as many trailers as we've seen on this podcast now. I had never seen this many trailers for movies, I don't think, as we'd seen in the last six months between going to the movies right. and doing this podcast. Yeah. There's no way, no possible way I'd seen more trailers than I'd seen in the last six months in 25 years. So I started to notice that and it makes me bum sometimes because I feel like they pick better music for the trailers, which you need to, because that element has to like, right. It's you know, a selling has to draw point. People I mean, in. yeah, you, this is your, 
chance to basically pitch your movie to the audience. Yeah, but as someone who cares very much so about the soundtrack and wants it to be a certain way, and I only like, I only like, I'm going to say I'm not closed minded, but I like the music I like, and sometimes sure. I want it to be that music, and it rarely is that music. <laughs> let's, be, let's be real, it's rarely that music. Not everything could be this song, but this song was dope. And I'm going to go see this movie. Everything about this screams something that I would probably enjoy. And I'm very interested to see it based on true story or a memoir between the father Two and the memoirs, son. Two memoirs, it said, actually, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Because then you'll probably get some kind of... Uh, you'll just get different viewpoints in it, too. Yeah, it'll so. be really well-rounded. That's that's yeah, something that's hopefully. a little bit more rare, I would think. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Looks dope. I think everyone should go watch this trailer if you're into this. I'm going to go ahead and say that it will be nominated for some sort of I award. I cannot say I, it couldn't. Steve Carell sure looking and Amy at Steve Ryan Carell are already people that would... I mean, everybody, it's sort of... I mean, all the people that it listed their names are yeah. people who are the Academy is familiar with already. I think you would be hard pressed not to see at least Timothy Chalamet, probably with a nom at least probably yeah. Steve Carell. Too, I mean the so. directing you can already tell from this directing isn't overly show offy, but it's going to be Mm-mm. extremely good. The coloring is really good for the yeah. mood. The lighting is cool. I thought that it's going to yeah, be nicely done. an amazing movie, I think so. Highly recommend you should go watch it. I'm giving it the thumbs up and say that I will go see this. I don't even need to watch another trailer. I don't know when it's coming out, but I will be seeing it. I think it. it's coming out in October, f- September or October. Cool. I'm assuming I you're also going to get updated, the thumbs up here. Yeah. I will. I mean, just because of the fact that it's probably going to catch some awards attention, it's probably not a bad movie to go check out at least. Yeah. Um, yeah I updated our spreadsheet. Yeah, spreadsheet with no one knows this about is that, when Isaac. well, but I put on there when movies come out. So if we went on opening weekend the next uh, week, it lists the movies that we could ooh, talk about. So nice. fancy. I like having that because then I can keep track of when movies come out and when I in might case go see anyone them. doesn't know, Isaac really likes spreadsheets. If you have any I'm job involving Excel spreadsheets, <laughs> talk to Isaac. He I'm not a pro, but I you. like Excel a lot. You're gonna be a pro before too long. It's pretty crazy. All right, I guess that's it for this week. Yeah trailer watch is done this week at the movies is done we are moving into the main course here so um time to devour the kids are all right and when i say devour i mean talk about how much i don't like it okay isaac, yeah, i was about to say i didn't like uh-oh. this movie <laughs> isaac picked this movie and i don't want to jump straight into the fact that i didn't like it and lead off on the wrong foot here but i didn't like almost anything about it except for louise and we don't even know you all who are listening probably don't even know who louise is even if you even saw if you the, movie, the movie you, you may not, not know, know who, who louise is. is but louise was the saving grace of this movie and not oh enough gosh. to save it That's, from anything you can't else. even say that you're not even allowed to say that a person who appears in less than two minutes worth of the screen time of a movie is a saving grace. sorry that there's one gleaming brief glimpse of hope for this movie that is undercut that's completely unfair that's <laughs> not so. even that's I not even i don't think so at true. all i no. think this movie is horrendous and i want you to start oh talking about the production gosh. and background go ahead okay well i don't have a lot of production and background well that's uh, fine. the kids are all right is a movie that was released in 2010 it was written by lisa cholodenko and stuart bloomberg uh anything about lisa cholodenko Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Lisa Chilodinko wrote and directed. She's the director. Okay. Um, she, I guess, sort of conceived the movie. And actually, at one point, the movie was put off because she got pregnant by an anonymous sperm donor. Oh. <laughs> so I think... Did that change the plot of the movie? I don't think so. I think that that was probably always a aspect of the movie in the okay. first place. But um, I think there is some a little bit of some real life sort of... Uh, associations, I would say, probably. Fair. With uh, Lisa Cholodenko and her life that are kind of uh, the movie's been influenced by. Yeah, I mean, it prob- obviously lend- it lended itself to help her to write this kind of story, which not everyone might have the idea to write, I guess, or the perspective sure, on I how guess. the dynamics would work between yeah. the characters. So that's good, yeah. Um, And I guess I should just go ahead and tell you why I sort of picked this movie. Please There's do. There's a couple of different reasons. This is I the, actually, one, oh, the only time I've had a question mark all month. It's the last week. I really like this movie. Oh, I don't, man. I mean, but I think that, again, we've talked about this a lot of times. I'm a big fan of character and sort of story emotionally is really a big part of why I like a lot of movies. And we know that you and I sort of differ on that in the first place. So I can't say that I'm completely surprised that you 
aren't on quite the same page as me as this movie. I will say I can't believe you didn't find one redeeming quality period I about this movie that you like. Can't say that I did. That Cannot is kind that of that a shocker because I'm like because I completely can't even like get with that. If this isn't your favorite movie ever, I can totally understand. I won't say that it's completely the most pleasant uh, experience. It's a human drama and it involves a lot of drama and a lot of emotion. So if that's not your thing, you're probably not going to completely enjoy the yeah. movie. Well, but also, it's, I think this movie's funny. And I maybe mean, I get that because I come from a different perspective. That's totally within the realm of possibility too, I suppose. But... We will get into it point by point as we go through because I want yeah. you to present it to try to like argue it to me because I don't think it's fair that I just like poop on it and then like change I my can mind go with that possibly. Too. This so is what this is my fair. pitch towards you of maybe yeah. rethinking the way that you felt about the movie. Totally in the fair, first place. but I want to say right now of all of the movies we've watched since we started this podcast, this was the one I have enjoyed the least. I to actively watch. Can't even. We've watched a lot of movies. We've watched so a lot I of mean, movies. We're talking like twenty four. I would movies. rather watch Phantom Thread twice than watch this movie again. <laughs> I can't believe that at all. <laughs> if I never see Phantom Thread, if I never see one more second of that movie, it'll be too soon. And um, I had to constantly check how long was left in the movie. <sighs> it's not even that long during the movie. movie. <laughs> it felt like it was so much longer than it actually was. And I will now concede and let you talk about. What you've got on your paper, because Isaac, you have your notes again. And okay, I'm curious what do. they say. Well, okay. So with these movies, so I could recite for some of these movies that I picked, I could recite the plot top to bottom without anything. Some of these movies that we've had recently, I watch frequently, but I don't watch enough to have literally been able to sit here and do this. Most of this is just plot. I do want to say that I picked this movie because I wanted to provide within Pride Month a little bit of lesbian and bisexual representation. Yeah, which is fair. which. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that that's the fair thing to do, too. I mean, certainly I understand a different demographic within the queer community more so than that. But <laughs> sure, neither of us have very good insight on this. Exactly. So I wanted to at least give a chance. And this is my favorite movie that I've ever seen that includes lesbian and bisexuality. Could have included Sunshine Cleaning, which is very good. I've only seen that one time. I didn't really like it. Oh, wow. So um, at the same time, I do. I would like this. to experience more of that. So I think that that's a thing that I think that we don't have a lot of movies like that, though. Also, I would say um, I'm trying to think it's of another difficult. One. I know a few. I could list a few Mulholland off the top of my drive. head. Yeah, you already did that one. <laughs> I could have picked Carol. Um, my problem with Carol was that Isn't it's a little... is there a really popular French one? The color... Uh, blue is the warmest color. Yes. I haven't seen that I one yet. That it's on my list to watch. I bet it would so probably I can... be the movie this week if we had seen it. it possibly. Uh, I didn't pick Carol. Carol's a little depressing. It's a little more along the lines of Brokeback Mountain, so I thought those were kind of too similar. That's fair. I Also, so aside from the fact that this is a movie that uh, includes lesbian and bisexuality representation, mm -hmm. uh, I picked this because uh, it's a more modern sort of positive and realistic uh, representation of a same-sex family. So I sort of, like I said originally, we actually watched these in chronological, the four movies this month, of when they were placed in time. So Brokeback was the 60s. Milk was sort of the late 60s, early 70s. The Birdcage was set in the 90s. And then this movie is set in sort of modern day. It would be 2010s, yeah. Yes. So that's why I sort of picked that too. I also kind of picked this movie because even though... Um, it is a movie about gay people or the queer people who are involved in the queer community. It's not just about that. Like that's yeah. really sort of almost an afterthought in a yeah. way. It's also about overbearing California color <laughs> filters and fake grain being slammed onto the okay. screen so that you know it's an indie movie. Well, I didn't watch, I didn't pay attention as much to those things, I guess. Um, my, uh, I was more paying attention to the characters and the acting and that sort it's of fine. thing. It's the fine. story. I just I had guess. to say it before we move on. You can on. include that too. It's fine. <laughs> it's definitely very LA sort of. I can totally. It wants to be. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. I can get with that. Um, but I, like I said, I picked this because it's about people who are gay, but that's not the main thrust of the movie kind of. No. I wanted to, it's sort of normalized in a way. Yeah. Like that's sort of the afterthought. It's first and foremost, this is yeah, a movie. It doesn't seem weird it's not trying to do that it's just you're just there all of a sudden yeah it seems like movie, you're dropped into a life that exists and makes sense and doesn't seem yeah this movie is about unnatural. a family yeah. it's not about 
and that part of it is beautiful yeah like actually okay maybe redeeming quality i actually like the initial setup of like the family dropping in like when pete is doing cocaine i'm like oh yeah get it pete you're 15 (laughs) i don't think that's coke but (laughs) what are they doing then? i don't know probably adderall or like something like that maybe i don't know what it is is. either yeah that's less important but that was the point is that this is first and foremost sort of a a a movie about a family do those parents of this family happen to be gay and did they use a sperm donor to make their kids yeah but also that's not the like main the most important aspect of it no not at all it's sort of nor i mean it is normalized to them this is their everyday normal life and i sort of wanted to pick a movie that sort of represented that rather than like brokeback mountain or milk or even the birdcage where in all of those situations it was about quote like the other they were representing this yes sort of different lifestyle i wanted the thrust of this one to be that it's normal for a lot of people a lot of yeah. people in our country because it this is, is their normal, normal everyday life yeah. that's exactly it doesn't right. always have to be portrayed as like some sort of counterculture when it is exactly. people's lives that's yes. exactly right so yes. that's why i chose this one Fair. um so we can dive into the actual story of this movie a little okay. bit um so this movie is about a uh lesbian couple nick and jules mm-hmm. Uh, Nick is played by Annette Benning, Jules by Julianne Moore, who are married and they're raising their two children, 18-year-old Joni, who is played by Mia Wasikowska, mm-hmm. and 15-year-old son Laser, Josh Hutcherson, Stop. plays him. Why is he named Laser? I don't know. I really wish that they had that too. I don't understand it. I'm just... Strike one. Move on. I kind of... <laughs> To me, they named the naming your daughter Joan, like two lesbians naming their daughter Joni, totally makes sense to me. Where they got this name, Laser? Yeah, and they I talk about Joni Mitchell later. Yeah, in the movie, exactly. A decent scene in the movie. That's fine. I don't understand why they named their kid Laser. I try to ignore that fact I, too because I'm like, that's kind of weird. But it's painful, almost as painful as the like remixed Vampire Weekend song they place over the credits at the beginning of the movie. What? I don't. I didn't even notice. I don't know. Okay. See, I uh, see. I I'm fired up about this. I was like, I got a lot to say. All of the things that you're describing, I don't. E- I didn't even like notice and or pay attention to. And I've seen this movie multiple times. I tried to find something redeeming, and in doing so, I only dug deeper into a hole of hate for this failure. Go ahead. Okay, so <laughs> the two kids, Joni and Laser, um, each of Nick and Jules essentially each had a child through a sperm donor. So that's how their family was created. They used the same sperm donor. So uh, Joni and Laser are sort of half siblings, but within this family, they are a complete package. They're a whole family. Um, Nick is an obstetrician. She's a doctor. And then Jules is a housewife who is starting up a landscape design business. Um, so when this movie kind of. it starts... Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess. So when the movie starts, uh, Joni has just turned 18. She's just graduated from high school. She's going to go to college in the fall. Yeah. Um, and I guess, so we see sort of their everyday lives for a little bit. And then the sort of inciting incident, I guess, is that Laser has asked Joni to re- to get the information about who their dad is. Mm -hmm. So laser can't do it because he's only 15. You have to be 18 and an adult to request that information from the sperm bank. So at first Joni says she's not going to do that, but then ultimately she relents and she does do that. She gets the information. Um, and so Inter we Hulk stage, right? Yes. So we meet Paul played <laughs> by, uh, Mark Ruffalo, Ruffalo, who is the, uh, gentleman who donated his sperm and ultimately was chosen to 18 father years ago. Joni and laser. Yeah. So, uh, they get his information and then they go to meet him, uh, at his restaurant. So he sort of owns like a co-op farm and he's a restaurateur. Yeah. Like a locally sort of, sourced. I grow the yes. food. We serve the food. I ride a motorcycle. Rides a motor- I have a I five o'clock shadow and a leather jacket and I'm, I'm Mark Ruffalo. And I'm in my mid thirties. Yeah. yeah, totally I'm cool. I'm That's sleeping with the girl vibe. on the farm and the host of my restaurant. Yes. Pretty cool. It's chill. I'm I'm a dad too yes. now. That's the Paul character. Oh, man. Um, so the three of them, ha- they meet. Um, and it's sort of uncomfortable. And this is also where I think that sort of our sense of humor probably here differences. I think that it's totally funny all the time that they're completely uncomfortable. I think that's kind of real and it makes sense. And that's sort of, I mean, humorous in that way. For some reason, it's a completely ridiculous situation. They find themselves in the tension that I'm supposed to be feeling in this movie is lost by the way that they acted out. And it may not be, the actor's choices here but something about the movie just strikes me as like 
flat. Everything just seems I gray. I think that they are trying to do that because I think it's trying to be so like... It just seems less regular. than real life. It seems less than real life. And I've, I've seen indie movies before that do a similar thing that hit home <laughs> with me. And this one just did such a bad job, I feel like. I just didn't understand anything okay. about well, maybe. it. And that's I don't know. Fine if it did. The character's choices. I can't, I can't relate like, to that. So I can't Their willingness to talk that. to the people or unwillingness at different times didn't really make sense to me occasionally. It just seemed like it just didn't. I don't know. They just seemed alien. Everyone everyone seemed like they weren't human to me. I don't know because I didn't really get that. I kind of understood a lot of that, which maybe, I don't know. Like, it could why just did be anyone like Mark Ruffalo? Or, why did anyone care for this man in any way? Well, I think that... Why? I'm getting to that. Well, okay, well, we're in the movie this. for the So they have this meeting. Yes. And actually, Laser ends up not liking him as much as he thought that he would. He has a hard time connecting with Paul... And he's like, obviously, kind of like, uh, they are totally, yeah, like, totally different Laser is a decent human, things. and Mark Ruffalo has no idea. Well, I think that's, <laughs> no, oh my gosh, we can't even talk about this if that's all keep you're going to Keep going, keep going. Joni, who didn't even want to meet him in the first place, kind of does connect with him. I think because Joni is trying to explore different fa- uh, facets of her personality, of who she wants to be, and so she's... I don't know. You know, they laser kind of makes fun of her because she's like, Oh, I've totally been trying to get our moms to eat organic and lasers yeah. like really have you. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true or not. We don't know if that's true or not. Maybe Joni's just lying because she's looking for somebody to connect with, or maybe that's really true. And they just don't listen to Joni. I feel like that's totally possible too. <laughs> yeah. It seems like it could be anyway. So they have this meeting. It's sort of awkward. The whole thing's kind of awkward. They leave it as I think they're going to, they're sort of going to continue seeing Paul. Um, but, you know, it doesn't go great, I wouldn't say. They're not just BFFs right off the bat. Um, in the meantime, uh, so there's a whole side story that involves Laser and his friend Clay. Yeah. Who's like And Joni and her friend, whose name I can't remember, with the curly Sasha. hair. Sasha. The girl's name is Sasha. Oh, the, the boy. guy's name is Jai. Okay. Um, and, well... The only th- I'm only bringing up the whole clay side story for Laser because my favorite scene in the movie. So <laughs> at various okay. points, yeah. Laser is going through his whole like 15 year old teenage angst phase, and he doesn't want to tell his moms anything. And Clay is kind of a d bag, and the moms don't really understand why Laser likes to hang out with him because clearly Laser's like a decent guy. Like I mean, he's he is. They make him awful on purpose. Like he's he's the over the top character in. The I movie. mean, yeah, yeah, totally. I also think it has to do with the fact that both Joni to me and I mean, this I was going to get into later. Both the characters of Joni and laser are very nice kids they're obviously very smart kids they're a little more reserved they're a little more like laid back which obviously comes from the fact that their moms are a little bit overbearing and a little bit like over the top yeah but also i think both of them have end up in friendships that where their friend overpowers them just for the sheer fact that that's the way that the relationship ends up working. I mean, ultimately the whole clay thing is literally just so that we can have this scene where, um, so clay and, um, laser go to their house and clay is looking for weed because he thinks that laser's parent moms smoke weed and they find a porn video that we actually saw the moms watching earlier. And then, so laser and clay put it in and there's an awkward moment where Jules comes home and finds them watching porn, the porn, which is actually gay male porn. It's man on man porn. And, laser and clay are like why do your moms watch this they don't understand it's super like kind of weird because his moms are lesbians um and so but previously nick and jules have kind of thought that maybe laser was exploring experimenting with his sexuality with clay so my favorite scene in the movie is where they sort of are trying to talk to the moms nick and jules are trying to talk to laser about whether or not Laser is gay and if he's experimenting. And at the same time, Laser thinks they're asking him about this 
guy that he met, which yeah, is they think Paul. He thinks they're leading questions because they know something about it. So they want about him to the come fact out that, with it. Yeah. Yes, Laser and Joni met Paul, but they won't. But really, they're asking because they think that Laser might be gay. And that exchange is sort of totally the funniest scene in the whole movie to me. I didn't laugh. I watched it and I don't recall a joke being told the There's whole time. There's not jokes per se. It's just a funny situation. I and maybe you don't think that's funny because the whole like double entendre doesn't like work for you maybe. Or I think that's funny because that's the sort of thing that I've been involved in before maybe. maybe. So anyways, I just thought it was funny. Um, but so eventually the moms find out. Basically the moms find out that Joni and Laser have met Paul and the moms want to put a stop to it immediately but the kids still want to continue seeing paul i've realized something i think this movie comes off to me as overly clever as if it thinks it's smarter than it actually is and so i don't approve of it i think that's what happens a lot of the time Mm. is that it's like it's almost like ham-fisted swollen arm thrashing these are jokes and i don't i don't think it lands for me I think in the way that it's told, it feels like that to me. Not that it is like that, right. but that's the way that my brain interprets it based on my sense of humor is like a ham-fisted, overly obvious, I think I'm clever attempt that doesn't land home with me. I think that's what's going on. And, that and I think that's true. what I miss for a lot of the movie because I didn't I didn't see it as a comedy. I saw it as a drama throughout. Like At no point did it strike me as like I might need to laugh at the scene. Oh, because I, I don't know. And maybe this is a hard thing too because I've seen it multiple times, so I kind of already know. Maybe I'm reading this more as the more times that I've seen it, the more that that comes across. I don't yeah, remember. I can't remember the first time that I watched it. it when literally, I thought, so. as sad as this is, it, it, the way the directing was done, the way the lighting was done, in the middle of it, I thought for a second, I was like, I wonder if the person who did this makes ABC Family movies because it seems like a hallmark, like kind of like just like unaware of itself trying to be something that it's not moving well, to me. Well, I don't think so. And because you cannot... I would tell you this because you cannot do that with this sort of subject content. You can't just put it out there in a way because you get judged and you get placed into this whole, it exists in a way like when you make this sort of movie, you have to know that if somebody goes and sees this movie, this may be the only time that they ever go see a movie like this and that they ever remotely even experience what life might be like for a couple who is are lesbians who had children through a sperm donor because those people because the That's people true. who I've see never this heard movie of a movie like this before and I'll never, never see a movie meet like it somebody again. like that yeah. and they and so this is sort of not to say that I'm defending this in just the fact that they made this movie so automatically it's good because of that that's not true but I think that a lot goes into making these sorts of movies because I mean, they. I did read on the internet that they thought this movie will never get made. There's no way it will get made because the subject content. And that the only reason it got made was because Julianne Moore and Mark Ruffalo decided that they wanted to be in it. And that was really what convinced them that the movie could be made. And then it was sold to people for distribution and then, and then on. But yeah, I think, I think I approve of and I appreciate the fact that that's the subject content, but I still don't think it was executed well enough for me. I don't know. And maybe I like it because I mean, you can like, I don't like, we've been over this before. So for one thing, it's subjective. What we're going to get down to the quality of of the movie. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That's yes. I would, I would say that any, if you replaced, if you made the exact same direction choices, actors like, you know, mood or like their, um, their, what's the word I'm looking for? The way they choose to act. They're kind of their like, choices. I yes, mean. I guess the way they're portrayed, the lighting, the music, all of it. If you put it in any other similar family drama situation, I think I would dislike it just as much, but probably more because it doesn't even have the redeeming quality of being something interesting and different as far as a story goes. Well, and I, I mean, there are all the times that I struggle with. Sometimes I watch movies that are like this and I think 
am I only enjoying this movie or do I only like it because I feel I'm supposed to like it? Yeah. Because yeah. of this. Because otherwise then I'm rejecting yeah. is it a more, representation of myself. Like, yeah, is that the only like reason you should I like it? Because it? of the message or is exactly. it actually a quality film? Which yeah. I don't. I think this I is the first like movie. I this movie. Because yeah. I actually do like this movie for a myriad of reasons. I'm kind of glad this came up like this, though, because that is a good point. Well, that's and that's something an important thing that we yeah. do need to talk about when it comes to movies like this. If we're going to do that, it's fair game to talk about, yeah. to have that sort of discussion. Um, we've totally gone off of the rails of the rest of the plot, but I think we can go quickly <laughs> well, through I mean, some of the it's rest a, of it. It's a, yeah. There's, so they meet Paul. Nick yes. and Jules meet Paul. Nick does not like Paul. She feels threatened by him very obviously. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Jules, to me, Jules and Paul are kind of very kindred spirits, sort of free spirited, laid back, that sort of thing. They yeah. get each other. And which is partially why there's like the alpha competition between Nick Absolutely. and Paul. Um, and so ultimately Paul finds out that Jules is starting this landscaping business. He offers, uh, for her to do his, redo his backyard. She comes over and does that a couple of times. They're growing closer, I think, because they kind of get each other in a way. They have an obvious like sort of chemistry. Eventually they end up carrying on a, a surprise affair. I think it's surprising to Jules, certainly. Um, and a lot of this movie, while but we're sitting it, here explaining it, is surprising, it, but she... She is the she, yes, driving force behind what it. What I'm saying is is that a lot of this movie, we're sitting here talking about the plot, but a lot of the movie exists in beyond this plot points that we're running through. It exists in the relationships. And you see the way that the characters interact with each other. Yeah, they do. They if do we're, you're just sitting here, of, you're not going to experience it in the same way because you won't have seen all of those things that we're talking about. Yeah, each of these five characters is like, as each plot point goes on, it affects them all in some sort of way. Yeah, exactly. And so they cover how it affects every single character between the moms and the son and daughter and then Paul. The, yeah. donor, the donor so it does i mean it, it keeps them all up to date and does a good job of keeping them all in the story without like i think overbalancing well, one I think direction it, or another. i think that this sort of actually this movie does a nice job where the birdcage did not do that so obviously the birdcage is completely a story about armand and and robert and williams no armand is robin williams oh albert albert yeah Whereas that movie is completely about Armand and Albert, this movie does a really nice job of incorporating all the characters that are involved in this movie and giving them all storylines, giving them all um, complexities that really make the movie Except run to me. Because he's not that important <laughs> of a character. He's my favorite. The Sorry smile, about it. His smile is We're going to completely bypass uh, his <laughs> aspect in this movie anyways and continue. So... Um, Paul and Jules are carrying on their affair. Um, and there's a lot of issues that are going on in their family. So Paul's arrival has disrupted the family. Um, Joni's pending departure for college, sort of her trying to grow into adulthood. Her relationship with Paul is definitely sort of blossoming. They get along really well. They spend some time together. We've seen all of that. Um, I said, I put lasers, teenage angst has a play in it, which it does. It is very brutal. He is given the worst roles in the world. Tell you what. Yeah. This is, I mean, his (laughs) character is rough and he does not get along with Paul, even though they still, still spend time together. They really don't get along. They really don't connect very well. I don't think Peter's character makes, I think that that, I mean, it has an impact in that sense that I said is that him and laser don't really get along, but I think laser wants to still and that sort of thing. Um, and then, also, Nick and Jules have a lot of tension between the two of them um, and their relationship in general, sort of about the whole, you know, the landscaping business and mm-hmm. their kids and everything that's going on with that. So all of these things are sort of going on all at the same time and it's causing issues in their family. Um, meanwhile, Nick ultimately, she's the one who doesn't really like Paul, but she still is going to make one last attempt sort of to try to connect with Paul. So she's, suggests that they all go to Paul's house to have dinner. And it goes perfectly smoothly. Goes wonderfully. Nick is actually connecting with Paul. They like Joni Mitchell. They listen to their music. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah. Um, they sing. All- but meanwhile, at that dinner, Nick discovers Jules' affair with Paul, essentially. Yes. They fight about it afterwards at home, and the kids find out about it, too. So now everything is in the open, and it's all gone to pot. Yeah, we're ha- we're all having a bad time. Everybody's really unhappy. Everybody's really upset, and it's not a great time. No. Um. Meanwhile, in all this, um. Yep. 
and Paul Mark, eventually finds out through Joni. Paul tries to call Joni and she's like, don't talk to me. I hate you. Yeah. And wait here. We hit a wall. Paul's character officially becomes the dumbest person that ever existed on the face of the planet. 100%. Oh my gosh. As if Which, I already didn't like him enough for my description at the beginning. I didn't even talk about this part. He gets worse. He gets worse. I just, well, and I have some sympathy. I feel like maybe I'm really tapped into all of the characters at different points and that's possible. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. I have literally reasoning for all of these things. So we'll get there because that's a big like sort of thing that I want to talk about. Um, ultimately, Paul kind of calls Jules and sort of confesses that he's in love with her, which is super weird. And Jules is like, no, you idiot. Well, he we were had just... already done this once. Yeah. And he already had just tried to tell her it. that. And he was like, well, I'll try again over the phone. And it didn't and go she's so like, well. Forget it. I'm gay and I'm still in love with my wife and hangs up the phone and never talks to him again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it just falls apart from there. Basically. Um, Joni continues to be mad at her mom's. Um, ultimately, what happens is this is the night before Joni's going to go to college. Paul shows up one more time to try to talk to Joni. Nick ends and she up. She lets him for some reason. <laughs> Who knows? She does because I think that she's still connected with him. And Joni for sure is the person I think that's most hurt by Paul ultimately at the end of this um and the most susceptible to damage from all of her relationships yeah she's got a lot of stuff going on for sure (laughs) um but then nick just basically tells paul you're not welcome here anymore if you want a family go out and get your own which most of the time nick was not justified in some of the things that she said to people at various points was but at this one point z snap oh (laughs) got him (laughs) she got it 100 percent, and i was like all right girl you close that door and ignore him one more thing because at very few points did i like nick or paul in any situation oh yeah oh i can agree with that they're finally unlikable they like both of them like say what need to be said or realize what needs to be said to them and go their separate ways good thank goodness the one thing that needed to happen in this movie Act- that actually did happen. Go um, ahead. And Paul is shown to be really mad that he sort of destroyed this whole new sort of family he had created or that he was a part of. Yeah. Um, and that's the movie the should end have ended there. With him. It should have just gone to credits because the rest of it is well, the rest of pretty it much pointless. To, well, the family has to come back together. So they're All going right, to ultimately. Um, Jules can, you know, admits that she was wrong. She begs for forgiveness to her family. Everything you think is going to happen is going to happen now. Yes, Joni goes off to college. The moms cry a lot. Joni yep. cries a lot. Everybody sort of makes up. Then on the way home, you know, Laser says, I don't think you guys should break up because you're too old. Nobody want to be yep. with you. And yep. the moms are like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And then they hold hands and then that's the end. And at the bottom of the screen, it says, next, Secret Life of the American Teenager, because that's where this movie fits in, is <laughs> in is all of those what, things. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway, so that's the main <laughs> plot points of the movie. Like I said, if you don't actually watch the movie, you're probably going to miss a lot of what we sort of are discussing here, which is that most of this movie is about character and relationships and the way that the characters interact with one another. Yeah. Less so about the plot. It doesn't all work, but it does try to do that. Um, So the themes in this movie, a lot of the themes are about marriage, family, and sort of growing up. So we see, um, you know, how hard it is to for a marriage that's lasted a long time to retain the intimacy, to effectively communicate with your partner. And then, especially with raising teenagers... Um, communicating with them and keeping your family together despite the changes that are going on and despite the difficulties that you encounter. Meanwhile, if you're a teenager, of course, life sucks. Everything sucks. Everything's hard. You're experiencing all these new things for the first time. You don't necessarily understand how to do them. And certainly that happens with Joni and Laser, who for some reason pick really bad friends for the most part. Yeah, horrible friends. Um, But actually, wait, all of those themes. Wait, what's his name? Jai. Jai? That doesn't seem like a bad get, person. No, but I don't think that anything goes. Like I don't. I think that their friendship was kind of ruined by what happened ultimately there. So. Well, yeah, she got wasted and tried to kiss him, and then got mad. Yeah. Well, what happened? What was that about? Explain it. Uh, Joni just had a lot of things going on, and she, you know, that's what that's what happened there. So, um, um, so. You know, that's what happens. And I like all of those themes. Guess what was not involved in any of those themes? Nothing in those themes is really about being gay, which is why, again, I picked this movie. Because a lot of those themes are universal. Any family that you pick out anywhere is going to have a lot of those things that have happened yes. with them. So yeah, it's not the focus. None of that is the focus of this movie. Yes. It just exists because it's standard. 
Now, if nice you hate see. all of these characters, because the other part that I I like this movie <laughs> because it shows that everyone is kind of complicated. You know, not everybody everybody has some traits that maybe aren't necessarily just the best traits, and uh, every all the time yeah, people like the kid fail. that tries to pee on the dog. <laughs> I mean, well, okay, well he's definitely <laughs> the bottom rung of the ladder of who's good and who's bad in this movie. Yeah. But everybody has you know, good qualities and they have bad qualities sometimes. And I like that this movie shows that because I think so often movies are afraid to let your characters be real and to be realistic. But this movie is one of the best movies I think that shows that people are multifaceted and they're complex. And sometimes you make good decisions and sometimes you make bad decisions. Yeah, And sometimes sometimes you have to deal with the fallout from those. Sometimes the people, you know, meet someone like Paul and actually think he's okay and fall for his routine of whatever. I don't think that Paul is that bad too. Paul is just as confused as the rest of the people in here. Paul has never had kids in his life. He's never had a real connection for the most part in his life either. So he doesn't know how to, deal with any of those things he's doing the best he can and sometimes he's not wrong he did the, he said the same thing to laser that his mom said true which is that clay is a bad person he's not a good friend that you should hang out with paul didn't like the way he was talking about that and he told laser that laser did the same thing he told his merit his parent his moms which was basically f off i think i'm smarter than you which yep. ultimately proved out to be wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but paul's not a bad person he just doesn't know I don't think he's ultimately maybe a bad it's person. Mark Ruffalo's face as that character that I can't stand. I don't really know. I'm not well, a huge and Mark Ruffalo I mean, fan. even Nick and Laser don't really like Paul that much either. And most of what they said about Paul is kind of true too. I give Paul the benefit of the doubt of the doubt just because it's a new experience and you have to be you have to learn how to do things. People don't just know how to do everything. Paul is just the most dense, obvious, he, shallow I person. Mean, and yeah, and that everyone, is completely anyone true. Anyone who though. has all of the things that he has is always that way. I think that's why they portray him that way because it's so obvious that that's what he oh, is. Oh, it totally is. I and mean, because he totally that's what could I'm have saying had, is that like one of moms and the daughter fall for it in a way that just like you got to like oh, it just drives me well yeah and the worst part is that Joni should be the smartest person in this movie but somehow she continuously at every turn has no idea how to appropriately handle anything yeah i just don't think i could if these characters existed in my life and made decisions they would make they would not exist in my life i would i would box them out (laughs) i couldn't handle it i could not handle it but anyways ultimately even if you don't like all the characters i like several of the characters i like all the characters i at least appreciate the fact that the movie isn't afraid to show bad aspects of its characters because ultimately do i think that nick is a bad person no i don't think she is i think she might drink a little bit too much she's certainly overbearing but she cares about her family and she wants to provide for her family and is she certainly threatened does she have insecurities yeah but i think that everybody does I think that Jules is the same way. Jules is a great communicator with her kids. Sometimes her kids completely rebuff that. She does a really nice job of talking to them and actually trying to connect with them at the same time. Is Jules completely flighty? Does she have any idea what she wants to do? No. Is she a little bit over-emotional sometimes? Totally. Yeah, and they write her off when she makes sense because of those other times, which is unfair. Which is completely unfair, but also, would you not do the same? That's the way it works in real life, (laughs) though. That's exactly right. That's the way it works. So I just appreciate that aspect of it too. Um, you know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. That's fair. Yep. And I don't. One out of ten. I wasn't even One. able. To, I wasn't even able <laughs> to talk you into here. it. All One right. Over here. <laughs> you made some good points, but I don't think any of that could increase my enjoyment of watching the movie. My appreciation for the movie, yes. And I did think about those things and wonder why don't I like this more? And I think they can't save it from the factors that I talk about because I think they're separate. I think it's just two separate things. I think appreciation and quality fall in separate categories here for me on a scale that is unprecedented by most movies. I mean, and I'll, I say this all the time. I feel like, appreciation versus actual enjoyment are two completely different things too. It's just like watching Piranha. I can appreciate a movie. That doesn't mean that I necessarily enjoy it. It doesn't mean that it's going to be one of my favorites. It doesn't mean I ever want to watch it again. I can appreciate its merits, but that, you know, 
Yep, I I that like doesn't some, mean I like it. So both of us <laughs> like some terrible movies for our own reasons, and and we'll get into some of those eventually too. But. Yes, <laughs> and I think this, in from my perspective, falls into that of you liking a terrible movie, and I forgive you for it. <laughs> You're allowed to. It's totally fine. Fine, whatever. That's all I have this week. Anything else you want to add? I think that's all I had too. <laughs> I was really sure? thrown. I was really thrown off by the fact that you just detested it so much. <laughs> I don't even know what this else is, to say. This is the most agreement we've had on an episode i'm pretty sure I'm yeah and i'm like i'm just still so blown away with some of the stuff that i've picked that you yeah. just this is the one that really got gotcha. you now you're gonna be prepared next time right you're gonna be prepared in case i don't like it you're gonna be ready to ready to maybe, fight because maybe it's gonna be next week next week speaking <laughs> of next week we will be watching moulin rouge for the next episode so if you've made it this far we love you. We appreciate you. If you haven't seen Moulin Rouge, which I'm sure most people have, this is See, pretty I'm kind of picking seen. that. I do think that it's a good one. If totally you haven't fair. seen this, most people have seen it. Yeah. Um, also, I've uh, only avoided it. I could have seen it many times. I've I'm not sure. Seen it. But this is one of my favorite movies. I've liked it for a long time. Yeah. So it does have you and McGregor in it, correct? And Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There's a lot of really good people in that movie. All right, so that's what we it's will definitely be. going to be an experience for you, no doubt. We will be watching it this week. You should watch it too if you have not seen it. And we will have all sorts of good discussion, new movies from the theaters, a new trailer for you, and everything we always do on the next week. So check us out online in the meantime while we're gone at PBMC Podcast on Facebook and on Twitter. You can email us at pbmcpodcast at gmail.com. Review us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. Reviews help us get listens and... You know, keep it real. Yeah. Have a good week. Do your thing. We will do ours. I'm Eli. <laughs> I'm Isaac. And this was the club. <laughs>